the majority of men that I work with, they're so concerned that their sexuality might be dangerous, that they're not actually expressing it. And of course it becomes dangerous, but in a different way, instead of being dangerous externally to the lovers that you may take advantage of, et cetera, it becomes internally dangerous in the sense that you don't get your needs met, that you don't express yourself, that your deepest desires and fantasies, you don't get to experience and indulge in. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Caitlin V is a Jedi master of intimacy and relationships, helping people of all ages and backgrounds regain power and confidence in the bedroom, even after years of not being able to perform. She studied sexuality and public health at the world-renowned Indiana University and the Center for Sexual Health Advancement. There, Caitlin discovered scientific revelations about human sexuality and performed groundbreaking research, but then realized there was something she loved even more, helping folks have the best sex of their lives. Caitlin now helps men by sharing science-backed information and practical tips on how to last longer in bed, how to stay harder longer, how to boost confidence in bed, and how to give your lover endless pleasure. Enjoy the show. You and I have similar timelines that we've been exploring and creating these businesses on. I left academia and I was a professional researcher and I was working on my PhD back in 2015, 2016. And I started my coaching practice. I had some really big sort of bursts of success. I got featured on a YouTube video that went viral, like sort of just expanded, expanded, expanded. And my husband came on and joined our team in 2020, um, at the beginning of 2020, when we moved across the country. And I have now a four-person full-time team and contractors like all over the world. And, you know, we, I think based on, and I'm excited to learn more about your journey as you tell it. Um, but it seems to me like both of us endeavored to have a organic exploration of sex and sexuality for ourselves and for other people as a, as a path to personal development and happiness and enlightenment and ease and joy and pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's yes. You know, I, I normally like do a whole proper introduction and all this stuff, but our conversation is so organic and flowing that I'm like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to hit the button and let them all hear just a normal unfolding of a conversation happen. But yes, I, we're very similar, you know, I left corporate, but I, you know, I went to college and I did the whole thing and was applying for grad school and then wound up working on cruise ships for a while and let travel be my teacher, which other than travel, sex, and psychedelics are like my the <laughs> trifecta, the real trifecta here. I'm like, I've learned so much about myself through those mm-hmm. things. Um, and I would say even through them, each one of those things have been spiritual experiences, like a lot of extended travel, sex in itself. And then also uh, psychedelics, they've all brought me closer to what is my what is my faith and what is, what do I believe in and who am I? And it's just, yeah, it's really juicy. But yeah, I, I traveled and then that seemed to be like around the same timeline for you um, as far as like getting the coaching business started and like dabbling in it and, and getting it going. And then Jordan joined in 2020, beginning of 2021, like late 2020, early 2021 when, yeah, I mean, COVID was an absolute fucking shit show. And it also gave us so Mm -hmm. many blessings, Mm -hmm. so many blessings, like not even just not even in disguise. They were right in front of our faces while all this other stuff was going on. I feel so grateful and so privileged that we were able to turn some gold out of some shit. Um, But because, you know, he joined, he joined Sex and Love Co. And we officially branded it. And now we also have the four full-time employees and contractors all over the world. So it sounds very, very similar. Um, So my husband joined and it's so fun Mm -hmm. to to even call him husband now. And I don't know Mm -hmm. how long, how long were you married before it stopped being kind of weird and new feeling? Um, I've been married for four years and I still love saying it. Yeah. We yeah. just celebrated our four-year anniversary. And I'm like, call me your wife one more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very sweet and cute. And I love it. And I hope like part of me hopes that it doesn't ever lose its like, like, ooh, you know, I'm owned a little bit. <laughs> That's fun. I'm claimed. I'm claimed. I like I'm it. Claimed. Like, you are my woman. 
It's yeah. very cavemanish, and I'm like, yes, throw me over your shoulder and carry me around the house. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Also, in the the year, two year, three years that we've been uh, working together, it's been really interesting as a relationship coach because it's a huge part of being a sex coach to watch my own relationship with my partner shift as we've been colleagues, as we've been co-owners of a business, as we've moved closer together and further apart in sort of what we were responsible for and showing up for each other as colleagues, then showing up for each other as partners, spouses, lovers. It's been, you know, what, what really struck me around you saying like travel, sex and psychedelics is that they're all super relational, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about, I mean, uh, broadly relationships to other folks uh, through an exploration, but really it's about relationship to yourself. You relate to yourself differently when you're traveling, relate to yourself differently when it comes to sex and sexuality, your own personal exploration and that with another person. And then psychedelics is about your relationship to yourself and your spirituality and like your purpose. And I think that I've learned a lot in relating. My husband's name is Joshua. I've got to relate into Joshua in all these different ways. And I have learned so much about myself, what a gift it is to have a partner who can be a constant and steady mirror so that you can learn more about yourself through relating. Totally. I feel like I created... And I created my business as like a place that I live in. It's warm and cozy. And I feel like I don't ever really truly leave it. And I created this thing that's made of mirrors. You know, and now my husband and I live inside of it and play inside of it. And it's just constantly reflecting where I need some of the tools that I'm also giving to our community and our clients. It's like, oh, we haven't done the relationship check-in in a, in a while. Mm-hmm. Like we've skipped mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and we have some dissonance and crunchiness going on because we just don't know each other's logistics. Oh, we're now going through, you know, a three to four day and everybody's preferences on how the frequency of sex is different, but we're now on day three and we haven't been any form of sexual intimate and we're starting to feel like, and we're starting to push each mm-hmm. other further away. So our relationship actually needs to have some sex. And so, you know, like there's, <laughs> there's the things that we're, we're constantly being shown day to day. And I, I'm, I'm sure that it's in some ways present for you and y'all's relationship too. Yeah. And like you said, it is, it's a commitment to live inside of that mirror and to acknowledge that that's what it is. Right. And then, you know, something that's really shifted for me over the last year or two is thinking about what I've given my word to and being in, in this sort of, sort of like constant fluctuation between, okay, here's my word. Here's my integrity. Here's my commitment. Here's what I need as I'm managing my own self-care in real time inside of the business. We also work from home. Uh, I also have staff that comes to our house just almost on a daily basis. And so, you know, every so often it's like, okay, today's the first day of my bleed. I'm menstruating right now. And basically us, I have my team are downstairs in the kitchen right now. And I'm Mm -hmm. also on day two of my period and Serena just, just started bleeding. She's going to start tomorrow. Yeah. 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 And what a, what a, what a cool, very witchy, what a beautiful (laughs) opportunity it is to like have created this life and sourced this life in which I get to be constantly shown how I'm showing up, the ways I'm showing up, where I'm not showing up, where I need to be showing up. And to your point, using the tools that we have, because, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Ruth. And one time an interviewer asked her about her own sex life. And I don't remember the specific question, but her response was kind of to shrug it off and say, well, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Yeah. The shoemaker's kids have no shoes. Yeah. 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 And it really stuck with me because it was early on. I was like maybe an early twenties. I knew I wanted to be a sex educator in some capacity, but I took that as a big sort of like word of warning that. And maybe that was exactly right for her. Like, I don't know, she didn't seem necessarily to be too broken up or sad about it, but I got into sex and sexuality because I love it so much. And yes, as we said in academia, like research is me search. No one accidentally stumbles upon the area that they study. And I studied sexuality. I studied bisexual women. I studied women's perceptions of their sexuality, their bodies, other women's bodies. Like this stuff really fascinated me. And when I look back on it, I studied a lot of like queer theory and gender identity and sexual orientation. And like all of these things were ways that I was able to connect more deeply with myself. Mm -hmm. and. I guess in a way, 
that's exactly what it's like to run uh, a sex related business, especially with your spouse, is that you're constantly developing and honing other tools, but you're also in a place where you actually need to put the time aside to invite them into your life. And something I think is really important for all people inside of our field is having the humility and the vulnerability to constantly. And I see this, I see this a lot in your brand, which I really commend you for and acknowledge you for because it's hard. But we have to be vulnerable about like, oh, yeah. I, we didn't do a check-in. We actually haven't had sex in three weeks. We, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, we have to be vulnerable and say like, I haven't, I haven't been putting the time and the energy. I have, my masturbation practice is totally off. I'm pumping out orgasms. Like I'm eating, you know, meal replacements instead of cooking for myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And here's what I've learned about it. And I'm coming to you, my audience, my people, my mm-hmm. staff, my clients to say like, I'm a human too. Yeah. Yes. I'm here to help. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that reflection. And I, and I say that to my team too, that we're, I mean, that the phrase that we share a lot and we share with our, uh, we share with our clients, especially the ones that come to us for business is when you share, you serve. So Mm. the best marketing is telling your story. And some people just have a really hard time uh, having the hat, putting on the hat of authority and also putting on the Mm -hmm. hat of vulnerability and the hat of, you know, I mean, I guess for some people, some of the stuff that they would be sharing that it becomes very clear if it's not processed on some level. And so it can, you know, lead to that vulnerability hangover and all of that. And so we've gotten, I think, really good at, you know, processing really fast. (laughs) Right. Which is is a necessary skill if you're going to go into this industry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Regulation. Right. And, you know, I work with men. So yeah. maybe I should introduce that part of myself. So yeah. my specialty as a sex and relationship coach is really working with men. It's not something that I chose. Like I said, I didn't research them when I was a scientist. Um, and I didn't think that that was going to be my calling in life. But as a result of that YouTube video, I started getting a lot of men who were dealing with performance anxiety coming to me, wanting my help. Yeah. And I like really quickly realized that this is my gift. This was a calling. This isn't something that I chose. It's something that chose me. And it was, you know, when, when you are good at something and you find it easy and fun and pleasurable, like that's a really strong sign that you should kind of like continue, you know, and and coming from a a corporate or uh, an academic world, you know, usually we're told like, if it's hard, keep going. Yeah. Just push. Um, yeah, just push harder. And I used to get, I used to spend a ton of time getting good at stuff I did not like doing, but anyways, I ended up working with men and it's been the most surprising gift, most incredible and deeply humbling honor of my life. And I see that my work contributes to women. I thought I was going to work with women. I think a lot of women think we're going to work with women. That's what we know. This is the body I have. These are the people who I associate with and see myself in most easily. And I see that I'm able to also affect women in a huge way by working with men. So it ends up being this sort of virtuous cycle. But the reason I wanted to touch on that is that you spoke about authority and vulnerability and how we are navigating wearing these two hats and how it can be really hard to take one off and try to even try to wear them both at the same time. It's an old paradigm that we can't be vulnerable from a place of authority and that being vulnerable is going to undermine our status. And if I could say anything about the way that men are experiencing sex and sexuality in a, in, in 2022, in this like new way that they're coming into it, it is almost between those polarities mm-hmm. of authority and vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it does feel like there's, I don't want to say a resurgence of sorts, because it's not resurgence and it's certainly not a new thing, but I feel even from our perspective, which we do work with primarily women and and on our side, it's, you know, even listeners of the show are seven, 75 to 78% female. And then I don't know, then the rest is kind of men plus, you know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I'm noticing though, that as far as our coaching programs are concerned and the people who are reaching out and asking about our services, I'm noticing that there are more men that are asking these questions mm-hmm. and even having Jordan now be a part of the team. He's our designated men's coach. And so I kind of funnel in that direction, unless we're working with couples, then we'll either work with them together or I'll work with them. Uh, and I'm just, I'm noticing that their openness and their willingness to learn. And what I, what I used to Feel like I was coming up against a lot with, and I'm speaking very generally here, um, men would basically like not understand that anything was wrong with the sex. Mm-hmm. And so now, and, and, and then if it meant that they were going to 
admit on some level that some, that they could do better than it was um, like a, some harsh strike against their masculinity and that they couldn't, they could internally know they could do better, but externally to admit on some level that they needed some assistance or needed help was like, they're less of a man. And so just don't do that. Like, what do you mean? I, sex is sex and this is what you get. And it's pretty straightforward. And, um, and I think, you know, growing up for a lot of men, especially today with the internet and all of that is just, it has done a major disservice to them with, with as far as how broad they could think about it. And so I'm just noticing that there's more interest here and there. And then of course, women wanting to authentically and and gracefully enroll or invite their partners to, instead of just automatically going to shame, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's just, there's, there's a lot that I'm noticing that's in the field when before it was really just women coming to me, you know, in this particular kind of way. And I don't know if it's because I'm in a marriage now and I'm very open about that. I don't know if that's what's changed things or if there's just something in the field in the evolution, but I'm sure that you have, you've seen some things on, on your side and and what you are perceiving. I'd love to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I even had a, a call this morning with a man who is displaying exactly what you're talking about, where he's coming to me for help. I'm really selective about who I work with. And, and so, you know, finally we got on a call together and I can see him wavering between I need help and I know something is wrong and nothing is wrong. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the disservice that our, and he, by the way, this guy's from the complete opposite side of the world. He lives in the middle East is from the middle East, like had a very different culture growing up and very different, um, you know, expectations on men and masculinity and women and femininity. And yeah, he's literally like expressing to me the exact same challenges of someone I just finished working with in Utah, uh, the exact same challenge, like of someone that I worked with in Illinois, you know, someone from Texas, like Canada, men around the entire world are changing what they are allowed to do and be and say. And it's, a rebalancing between that, you know, every man was expected to up until very recently, basically be the authority on sex, right? He had to know how sex worked, how to please his partner. If he was interested in that, definitely how to please himself. You know, how much of of our expectations around male sexuality is like, get hard, stay hard and ejaculate at the exact right time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and, and if any of those things doesn't work for you, then there's something wrong and don't talk about it. I mean, Viagra is only 30 years old. Wow. That's it. And up until that point, and I didn't really realize this recently until I really started teaching on erectile dysfunction and like really started working with men on this because for the longest time coming from a science background, I was like, ED is the purview of doctors. I can't touch it as the coach. I can't, it's like, you know, who am I? And then I started like really digging into it and really asking some deeper questions because I I really came up inside of premature ejaculation. That is how, um, most people know me. And that's how I kind of like came to fame on the internet. Yeah. Was that what the YouTube video was about? No, the YouTube video is about squirting. Oh, wow. Yeah. But squirting, you think about it is sort of, if you are, if you're anxious, if you're allowed performance anxiety and you ejaculate too soon and you really want to pleasure your woman, squirting is a really good sort of like magic trick to, to overcome what you see as your shortcomings. Right. I may not be able to give her, you know, like hard pounding sex, but if I'll be the only guy that ever made her squirt, Mm -hmm. it's going to make up for all my shortcomings. Oh my goodness. Hard pounding sex sounds, which is atrocious about (sighs) 75% of the time. Right. And it sounds amazing about 25% around ovulation, the right 25, (laughs) the right 25, not the first 25%. Right. 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 Only, only exactly when I wanted. And then no more. Yeah. As soon as I'm done, no more. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys can't, you know, a lot of guys with premature ejaculation can't do hard pounding sex, even 25% of the time, but they all, you know, a lot of them think that's how sex is supposed to be 100% of the time. And so again, it comes from a place of like not enoughness, right? Because I'm not enough because my ability to withstand an erection or sustain sex without ejaculating is not enough. Let me pull, you know, a rabbit out of my hat that proves that I am enough. Give her, give her this, you know, squirting experience, which of course relies on all of these stereotypes about squirting that it is, you know, the apex of female stimulation. And it's like the best orgasm you could have. And squirting is great. I love squirting. I'm a huge fan, like, yep. in here for it. Uh, I think also there's great orgasms 
that come in all kinds of different ways. Mm -hmm. And when you create squirting as the, you know, the thing that's going to make up for what you perceive to be your shortcomings, you're putting again, a lot of pressure on sex, which is why you're dealing with premature ejaculation to begin with. Still going strong over here, y'all. Everyday Dose has helped me transition off of coffee and into more presence, less angst, and more sustainable energy in my life. With a third of the caffeine compared to coffee, this mushroom blend features sun theanine, lion's mane, chaga, and collagen protein. And it actually tastes great. Ready to kick coffee with me, but keep the yummy morning bev? Go to everydaydose.com. Code that sex chick for savings at checkout even if the items you are purchasing are already discounted. Yeah, baby. Everydaydose.com. Yeah, so then you wind up with right. people, what it sounds like is you wind up with people that are trying to add to their bag of tricks versus really getting truly in touch with themselves and their partners and their vulnerability and stuff that would typically cures erectile performance anxiety. Performance anxiety. Yes. And performance anxiety can manifest as premature ejaculation, but what's not as, what's not as discussed is that it also manifests very frequently as erectile dysfunction, but because ED also has these, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, which are incredibly common chronic diseases in North America and the U S and yeah, there, there are some real physical underpinnings and causes of erectile dysfunction, but the rates of ED are on the rise. 40% of men by the age of 40 experience erectile dysfunction. That is not because of simply chronic disease, right? right? And the numbers are rising in men that are younger and younger and younger. And I was even at a birthday party over the weekend and two men at the age of 27 told me that they were dealing with erectile dysfunction or had in their past. So this is not physiological. At 27, unless you have some injury to the penis, some hormonal imbalance, you know, you have something else going on. Yeah. It's not common to not be able to get an erection half of the time that you go to have sex. That's not common. And so we have to actually have a conversation about how, how male sexuality and how, how, what we're asking of men is actually leaving them in a position where they literally have so much pressure on them. And they're, they're so, you know, as you said, like unwilling to be vulnerable and have the real conversation about like, what's actually going on, what it is that I really want. Why does it, I feel the way that I do the relationship structure. That's not working for me, whatever it is to come back and finalize that point. Viagra is 30 years old. 30 years ago, the average doctor, if you went to them and said that you have erectile dysfunction, literally would say something along the lines of like, sorry, sorry to have a nice, it was life, just sorry. Right? Yeah. It was, you know, basically the underlying message was like, that's your private problem. Right. There's nothing like, don't talk about sex outside of your bedroom. That's mm-hmm. on you and your marriage that like sucks to be you. Sorry. Bye. So right. the conversation has changed a lot, even just 30 years. Cause at least, you know, at one point doctors they have say, well, have a pill, but now, you know, you come at 25 year old man's coming to his urologist saying, I have erectile dysfunction and the doctor's checking him and saying, well, you're otherwise healthy here, have a pill. It's not the solution. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the, the idea that like, here's, here's a pill that will now make your penis hard and the, the emotional connection to the sex, like it just seems to just continuously reinforce the cycle. So before I get too ahead of myself, uh, why do you think so many younger men are experiencing this? I mean, you more or less said it in there, but I, you know, want to yeah. hear like, a for the, for the listeners that are getting a like fly on the wall experience of our conversation here. So starting in 1995, there's a huge cultural shift inside of the United States where it had to do with uh, social media and smartphones. So if you're born before 1995, your relationship to porn is going to be a little bit different, but even going back to people that were born in the early to mid eighties had access to internet pornography, like early on in their reproductive years, not as early on as, you know, say like having a smartphone, but early. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, right. Oregon and, trail. Right. Red tube. <laughs> red tube. I, I don't know. I just thought of red tube, but I think maybe red tube was orange, orange tube. I don't know. I don't know. There's I don't all watch kinds a lot of, of tubes. I don't watch a lot of. I don't either. Orange. I just am thinking about what was around. Right. It's Pornhub. 
yeah. dramatically. Yeah, it, so sure. I think number one, I think we had like, we, we evolved to maybe catch like a boob across a watering hole, like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of years of like occasionally maybe stumbling upon someone having sex in the bushes and like maybe watching them. Like our brains are just not, it's like the access that we have to uh, refined sugar. Like, I don't know if you are like me, I have a sweet tooth. I, I am like helpless against, I'm like, I am a, I am an animal who cannot walk by a bag of candy without taking a bite every single time, despite all my intellectual knowing that it's not good for me, despite having two cavities filled earlier this week, like all of, all of these things I freaking know better. And if you put it in front of me, I'm going to eat it. And you know, the same is true with porn. Like we just didn't evolve to have access to it. And our brains are really, really good at finding paths to survival and to, uh, uh, to survival through procreation and carrying on our genes through the next generation, right? So sugar brains really keyed in on it because it was rare and it helped us to survive for days at a time. And it was a good indication for us early on in our evolution that we should eat that thing and power our bodies, right? Before we had 7-Eleven, they could just go get more. Same with sex, right? And the thing is the body doesn't know, your brain doesn't know when you're watching someone else have sex, your brain is not so advanced. At least most of the parts that relate to sex are not so advanced to know that that's not you having sex on the screen. So because it all, you know, the, the, the hardware that deals with sex is in the back of the brain. It's the oldest stuff. It's the stuff that we have in common with lizards, with cats and dogs. Like it's, it, it's old. It's mediated by this, this more recently evolved human part of our brain, but it's really just like mediated by that. That is just like the thing that helps us to, you know, maybe not whip out our genitals and start like masturbating when we see a hot person walk by the only but that's time it. it's I've just, actually it's... ever seen that is in LA interesting <laughs> oh yeah you know what now they think about it me like too on the street yeah on the okay. street under an overpass I just drove by and was like that man was masturbating at the road yep like looking at the road at the edge of the road yep I you know anyway, if he ejaculated to... it would have gotten on my window no, <laughs> uh, um anyway so all of which is to say that we evolved that if there's a way that we're having sex and we have access to a sexual outlet, our brain says to our body, like, keep going. That's going to be the best way to pass on our DNA and guarantee that we have progeny. And so your brain isn't so intelligent to know that when you turn on porn, it's not mating with the, I don't know, like three stepsisters or like two blondes and a brunette, like whatever it is, your your brain really thinks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Your brain really thinks that you're having sex with these people. And so it's telling you, keep doing that. Keep going there. Keep doing that. It just doesn't, it doesn't know. So anyways, now coming back to ED, you grew up watching this, all of your early sexual experiences, as far as your brain knows, were with porn stars where there was no smells. There was no funny sounds. There was no foreplay. There was no anticipation. It was again, back to hard pounding sex. Then you go to have sex with a real person. There's such a threat of making it, screwing it up. Right. I'm putting that in air quotes for listening because it's not, you know, sex isn't something where you, you can't, you can't mess it up. Like you can't screw it up. You know, as long as you're consenting and they're consenting and it's, it's, stuff's not always going to go exactly the way that you hoped that it goes, but you really can't mess it up. Right. Like you evolved to do it. Right? right. Just like figure out what feels good and like, keep doing that with, and keep checking in with each other. Like you'll, you'll be great. That's the <laughs> only way that anyone really ever improves at sex is just by having a, a, a a vulnerable enough conversation with themselves, their bodies and their partners to figure out what feels good at that moment at that intersection. But they get to a real body in front of them, a real woman. There's no script. There's no, there's sensations and and things that are present that aren't really present with porn at all. And I think that their body just, it essentially checks out. Cocks are smart. Pussies are smart, right? Your cock will do things that your brain is denying intellectually, but you know, to be true. Mm-hmm. And he just will, he'll just exit the game. He's like, not going to play at all. Our favorite place to shop for crystal glass and metal toys is Yoni pleasure palace, sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with our plush velvety waterproof blanket. 
Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough. To add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code THATSEXCHICK, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. I don't know if you would equate this as for some women will experience over time pain. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things going on internally, uh, Mm -hmm. emotionally. Possibly. There's also a, a handful of other real medical things that could be going on, Mm -hmm. but out of the vast majority of people that are experiencing, whether it be erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, vaginismus, the, the kind of common, uh, things that are, that people present that they're perfectly healthy. Otherwise it's an internal game or an inward Mm -hmm. job. Uh, I, I think, I don't know how you perceive it, but I, I perceive that as like, there's some things to resolve and, ways to show your body that you're safe. And, you know, people Mm -hmm. use the term a lot. I need to repattern my brain and show myself something. I think, you know, what they're really saying is show themselves something different and find pleasure pathways and something different than what they've been doing over and over and over again, and essentially create new habits and positive associations and all of those things. So like when do people ever come to you and say stuff like that? Like I just, my brain's not quite right. It sounds very Austin-y. Oh, <laughs> is that Austin um, it could be. no. And I don't, yes, I, yeah, I, I'm joking a little bit. Um, well, you know, yeah, you guys do hear... understand that they've patterned their brain to rely on porn yeah. and they yeah. need to, they need to change it. But that sounds so much to me, like out of the language of like human optimization, which I'm, yeah. I'm an op, I'm definitely in that crowd. Um, and yeah, for sure. I also, Pretty much everybody in Austin has done some, has done at least a couple to a handful of years in personal development. So of course, I yeah, could yeah, be, yeah. I could and be some ice baths and some, oh, yeah. water, right. Like, and oh, yeah. all of that really is repatterning. I mean, yeah. what is an ice bath or a, a breathwork session? If you're not like offering your brain an opportunity to change the pattern that it's been operating with. And the same is true with sex, but I think often both men and women. So with women, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not aroused. I'm not wet. I'm not relaxed, but I'm going to do it anyways, because this works for my relationship or it's been a couple days, or I don't have the time to get into it for men coming back to that. Like it just pop a pill, but in either way, we're sort of violating our body's consent. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes I think when we fast forward to repatterning, we're actually not stopping first at like, what's the wisdom of the body telling us right here and now, what is there to learn? And then it's almost like, we don't really need to repattern because the, the body and, or it's, it's mental, emotional, spiritual, social. Sometimes it's inside of the relationship, relational or social, or sometimes it's straight up sexual in in nature. Like it's about my fantasies, my desires or whatever. But often I think when we go back to the wisdom of the body, the next thing actually just appears and emerges from, from nothing, from nowhere. And it doesn't require any force, any pill, any yeah. like coercing, manipulating, it or repatterning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is. It, I, I don't typically use that term, but I hear people say that like I, you know, they'll, they'll use it occasionally when referencing porn. Like I know my, mm. I'm, I'm attached to porn, you know, people who I've experienced that are big into personal development and growth and optimization, like you said, but are also challenged by porn and are challenged mm-hmm. by certain aspects in romantic relationships or sexual intimacy that they'll be like, I just want to repattern it, you know? And I, I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. say, uh, use the term, but I do hear it for sure. Yeah. Especially with men who approach our company or approach Jordan. And so, uh, I'm, I'm curious what you, like when people come to you and they are sharing their experiences, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you do with them in order to get to the, 
I would say the bottom, but it's not necessarily the bottom because the well could be <laughs> limitless. This could be an mm-hmm. abyss uh, for some people. You know, healing is not linear and all mm-hmm. and all those other mm-hmm. cliches. Um, so, you know, ways that you help to navigate what could be just underneath that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since I work primarily with men, I usually start with a sort of like a logical explanation or exploration of where they have gotten to with their relation to their body, with the relationship to their cock relationship, to their sexuality. I think this really appeals to men because a lot of men are operating under the idea that like I'm living logically, like, you know, how many men are sort of like separated or even repressed in their emotions because they have been taught that like the masculine is a logical mind and the feminine is somehow an emotional mind. And like somehow anger is not an emotion. And so when, so when they come to me often, that's where we start, we start with like, okay, well, let's, let's, well, if you want to look at it logically, let's really look at it logically. Then where did you get the idea that you had to perform? and be rock hard and ejaculate exactly on time every single time. Was that like a logical place that you got to, or was that maybe a gift of your culture? Maybe that was a gift of your dad. Maybe that was a gift from porn. Maybe that was a gift from a a girlfriend or the boys that you grew up with. Right. So we start to untangle just the same way. I'm sure that like a lot of people come to this organically is by starting to untangle and asking like, where did I get that idea? And who says that it has to be that way? And then we may do some mental and some mindset work, mm-hmm. right? To start again, to just challenge that. And I think when I, when I think of repatterning, what I think of is like mindset work. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm in this pattern where every time this happens, I shame myself for being uh, inadequate. Okay. What would it be? Do- what would it be like if I didn't do that? And then we move into more of the emotional realm. So a lot of the guys that come to work with me have never taking the time to really do a deep dive into their emotional world. And I use this tool that's very common and like, it's called an emotion wheel and you can just Google it. There's plenty out there. And most people can name on average four emotions for themselves at any given moment. And once you look at this wheel and you realize there's, you know, 200 potential names for emotions or even eight start with eight different emotions that you're capable of feeling. And once you start to make it safe. Once it starts to feel safe in their body to actually feel those emotions and make it safe to have a wider range of emotions, to name a wider range of emotions, they allow those to move through them more easily. So now we've had a mental exploration. We've had an emotional exploration. Then we do a physical exploration. Most guys masturbate starting off really early in life in the same way. So this could be another place where patterning is really involved. Um, but this way in a very literal sense, it's usually pretty fast, pretty hard, often without lube and as quickly as possible so that, you know, mom, sister, whoever doesn't walk in and interrupt, right. Catch you masturbating, catch you. And so we also change the way. And I think a lot of uh, women, I think inherently get this from my experience, coaching women, women understand, okay, if I want to change the way that I relate to sex. I have to change the way that I relate to my own body sexually. Mm -hmm. They get that. I hand them a mirror. I tell them to go, you know, start exploring themselves, talking to their pussy, like develop a relationship with her, acknowledge her, check in with her. They make that, they get that, or at least more easily. When I say the same to guys and I'm like, could you treat yourself the same way that you want your lover to treat you? Could you give yourself the same tenderness and touch and devotion and care and the erotic blueprints? You can go back and listen to uh, your episode with Ian. Like, can you use your, can you use all of the skills that are available to you and the tools that are available to give yourself an epic erotic experience? And they're like, why on earth would I do that? I'm willing to do all of that for my lover. I'll do that for my wife. You know, she'll just let me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so many men I talk to are just stifled. They're so creative. They have so much erotic and sensual creativity boiled up within them that they really, you know, and this is one of the blessings in my life is I get to work with men who really want to be great lovers. Like what an awesome community of men. They're committed to being great partners, great lovers, great, uh, uh, sexual partners to their wives, but they have or partners or whoever they're with. They have all of this built up, but they're really not willing to just shower it back onto themselves. And we talked a little bit earlier about mirrors, right? The way that your partner is showing up or not showing up for you in bed is a perfect mirror for you to see the way that you're not erotically showing up for yourself. So one of my favorite activities that I give to men, and I give this in my men's uh, membership group too, 
is to write a love letter to your cock. And often what happens is actually they have to start with some like, apologies. They got to start with a clearing conversation with their cock. Like, Hey man, you know, I realized that I have been having super high expectations of you. I never once stopped to thank you. Hey man, all I've done is use you for pleasure and then tuck you away with shame. Hey, all I've ever said to you is I wish you were bigger, longer, thicker, better, et cetera. Instead of ever acknowledging like what a gift it is to have a cock and to have pleasure and to have orgasms and to please my partner. And what this begins to really shake up in them is like, number one, it challenges all of that discomfort, right? All of that, like ickiness that we have just growing up in a Puritan puritanical society around, like even acknowledging that we have genitals or that they're great. But it also begins to change the way that he's going to relate to his entire body and his sexuality. And from there, you know, sometimes it's just about owning your desire. A lot of men, and this is an interesting sort of intersection that we're at in time, at, at, at the intersection of like culture that we're having this conversation. Men have really got it that their sexuality is dangerous, right? And I want to be really clear. It has been dangerous. Not that any one particular man is responsible for male sexuality being dangerous, but for the last several hundred years, the predominant relationship that men have had to their sexuality is one of entitlement, is one of taking, of greed. And the relationship that women have had is one of danger. Male sexuality is dangerous for me. That it's it is it is taking from me, it is. Um, impregnating me without my consent. It is having, violating my body. Like this was a really, we can't, we can't like gloss over that, but in acknowledging it, we also cannot paint with such a broad brush Mm -hmm. to miss that it's not inherently dangerous. Male sexuality is not inherent. There's nothing inherently dangerous about sexuality. It was the way that sexuality was being used and abused inside of our culture and inside of relationships between some men and some women. And so I'm really proud of the men that are engaging in this higher level conversation and even brave enough to say like, is my sexuality, the way that I am imparting it on my partners, dangerous, injurious to them? And, you know, if you can answer no, it's not, which the majority of men that I work with that are listening, that will ever listen to this podcast, the lovers and the partners of the people that you work with, like for the most part, they're, they're so concerned that their sexuality might be dangerous, that they're not actually expressing it. Mm -hmm. And of course it becomes dangerous, but in a different way, instead of being dangerous externally to the lovers that you may take advantage of, et cetera it becomes internally dangerous in the sense that you don't get your needs met, that you don't express yourself, that your deepest desires and fantasies and most erotically delightful experiences that you may have. Uh, and while you're you know, having this human body here on planet earth, you don't get to experience and indulge in, and that's dangerous too. Mm, and I imagine so many people, they wind up not trusting themselves. Because of that. And then it's like just holding it all in for fear that how it's going to come out is going to be perceived in those ways. And if it's perceived in those ways, then it must mean that they are inherently a dangerous person or that they're wielding this power. And yeah, yeah, it's beautifully put. For sure, beautifully put. So for women who are partnered with men who are challenged by some of these things or, or who are going through some of these things, I know that I know that probably the vast majority, if they're partnered with someone they care about, they love, they want to see them have pleasure. It's not just a selfish thing that they want to mm-hmm. hard cock themselves. Like, of course, I'm sure that they want that too. But I'm sure that the the vast majority of women are going. I want I want you to feel good. I mm-hmm. clearly something, and it's not that there's something wrong with you, but something's going on. And so I think maybe for some women, they, they're not quite sure how to broach the subject and maybe they've even fallen into the trap of being partnered with someone and letting the words come out of their mouth. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Because then that's, you know, that's interpreted as something is wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm not doing this thing. I'm not good enough the way that I am. Okay. So we've been fooling around for a little while and I have a flaccid penis and you're the first thing that out of your mouth is what, you know, after you part ways from making out for a little while is what's wrong. 
And then of course, there's a whole other set of stuff that's going on for the woman Mm -hmm. on the other side where she's also probably asking what's wrong with me that you're not getting turned on. So there's a lot of very delicate, sensitive dynamics that are going on there. Mm -hmm. And so I would love your, your take and your insight for anyone who's listening that whether they're challenged on either side by this regularly or maybe every so often or they're dating and what to do if they come up against it or mm-hmm. they're like me and they're in their early to mid thirties now, but at some point in life will be at an age where hormones will change and things will shift. Mm-hmm. We've done an awesome job as women in my experience of coming into a new model of sexuality. Like we have a a tidal wave of that that's been kind of forming in in different shapes and sizes since like the 1920s here in the United States. But a hundred years later, we're at like, we're having a really complicated, like wonderfully complex conversation around our sexuality, around our sexual expectations, around, you know, that I'm, I'm going to say no when my body's a no. And I'm going to say yes to all these cool kinky things that women aren't quote unquote supposed to be into. And we're not necessarily doing the same for men. Mm-hmm. And I get that because a lot of us and myself too, up until you know, started really working with men, we're like, that's on them. We've been, we have been shouldering the burden of being this, the oppressed to the second sex for so long. And it's exhausting. And like, damn it. We want our rights. We want them right now. We want equality. We want equal pay. We want like, we, we want an come orgasm. At this place. We want an or we want, every we want time an if we of want orgasms. <laughs> every time, multiple times. If we want right? it. Right. If we want it, we want it. (laughs) Yeah. And we deserve it. (laughs) And we deserve self-care and we deserve to take breaks. We like, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, uh, I want to like acknowledge how, how heavy that's been and how much generational healing we've had to do on behalf of our moms and grandmothers and our lineages. And we often treat this conversation. And this is true from both sides, men and women treat this conversation as if it's quote unquote women's work. It's women's work to figure this stuff out. Right. And then we look at men and we're like, get on board, like figure it out too. Come on. Like, how are you complicit in creating this world of suffering that I live in? And we forget that men are suffering. If women are suffering, if, if men are suffering, women are suffering. It's like, we're, we're not separate. We are not on different teams here. And if one of us is suffering in some huge way generationally, then the other member of this, of this dynamic is also suffering. We are not different. And so I think we can be a little callous to men's suffering under the powers that have been, and that have shaped us. And that we, as women are trying to throw off and free ourselves of the shackles, right? We have to understand that men are doing the same thing with a lot less guidance and with a lot less quality modeling on how to do it. And so sometimes I think we, we talked a little bit about placing men's relationship with their sexuality as authority versus vulnerability. So one of the ways that we often look at men is that they actually should be the authority. What's, why aren't you hard? What's wrong? Are you not attracted to me? Like what is going on? You should, you should be the authority of your own body. You should know what's wrong, right? Instead of allowing him to be vulnerable. And sometimes for us to allow our men and men generally to be vulnerable requires us to check our own assumptions of how they should be showing up and to take a step back and create as we may think, and I'm I'm so guilty of this. I'm, I'm preaching to my choir here. We may think we're a super safe space for them to explore and do that unraveling. And sometimes we're not, sometimes we're just not. And sometimes we're just not the appropriate space for it to take place. in, even if we were the safest space ever, my recommendation to women is help your man find and connect with other men. Don't be his sole source of support on this subject. Don't you can't be his lover, wife, business partner, concubine, sexy, sexy temptress and therapist. And therapist. You know, you just you just can't encourage him to go find places in which he can be vulnerable and he can practice being vulnerable and then also check yourself. Like where are you doing your own 
work and like reclaiming your power as a woman and like fucking bless you for it. Oh, I've been so good about not cussing and there it was. Oh, I no, acknowledge you. I don't know if every fuck you want to. Okay. And our I show's about sex. <laughs> acknowledge. I know that's not going to be the one thing that we have to get censored over. Right? No, um, no, I fucking acknowledge us for it. Yeah. We've been working so hard at like reclaiming our witchiness and overthrowing the patriarchy that lives inside of us. And we have to, we, we're, we're not alone. We can't just be like, I did my work. You go do yours. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then deco- decolonize, depatriotize your own mind. And then you actually can become a safe space. And then, you know, Alison Armstrong says, we often treat men as if they're less hairy women, you know, like we're going to get men treat women. Like they're less, I learned this actually goes both ways. They think that they're just like men, but like less hair on the outside. Right. We have to appreciate that at the same time, we're very similar. We are also very different. And what helps him overcome those sexual challenges and relationship challenges may not be the thing that helps you overcome them and, and holding a really loving, open holding space for him to discover what that journey is going to look like for him and acknowledging it may look super different and totally not what you expected. Yeah. If I, so I have this really fancy mixer that I'm recording on right now, and there's a series of eight buttons right here. And one of them is a round of applause and I don't know, it's not labeled, (laughs) so I'm not going to press it. But especially the encourage the men to go find other places, which is typically amongst brothers who Mm -hmm. can say, I've been there, I've overcome Mm -hmm. it, or I'm with you, or tell me more about this. That's where so much healing, because there hasn't been an encouragement for a lot of, a lot of men, especially in a certain age. Well, actually that's kind of becoming a relatively new thing. You know, my, my future child, if I wind up having a boy will be encouraged to have this type of male interaction. And so will my entire community is like this. And so, and a lot of us are in this space of wanting to help more people be like Mm -hmm. this too, have these insights and these perspectives too. essentially choose how they are parenting or themselves and their, the inner child in their lover and their children, mm-hmm. all the little creatures, whether they're actually physically tiny or, you know, the little people inside the adult bodies, that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but we're, we're in some way really wanting people to choose their own way of being and doing this instead of operating with what's been passed down generation after generation mm-hmm. after generation. So, uh, yeah, I, I look back at you know, parents and grandparents and people in my life where this, you know, you, it was like, hang out with the the good old boys in the South and they're, you know, the first words that come around, they're dicking around, you know, they're shooting at things. And I don't know why all of a sudden I have a Southern accent and they're, they're just the, the quality of the connection is typically pretty surface level. And it's a lot of mm-hmm. humor. And it's typically in my mind, what I'm seeing is there's usually beer. So there's alcohol or some mm-hmm. kind of substance involved. And it feels like they're connecting so that they can get away from their life instead of yeah. dropping into what can I bring back into my life. And I am so fortunate that, you know, on a personal level that Jordan has seen this. I mean, he was in a fraternity in college. And so he's been able to see a lot of dark and light and how this just initiation ritual men, all of that. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, I mean, his Instagram handles conscious bro. I mean, he is a bro through and through, but he's the elevated and not that he's like better or anything. He's just like, I've grown out of that, but I still to my core am, am a guy's guy. And, Mm -hmm. and like seeing him anytime he says, I want to go with the guys. I'm like, you can't leave fast enough because you, every Mm -hmm. time you come back a better man, every Mm -hmm. single time you come back better, you come back loving me more. And I think Mm -hmm. back in relationships when I was back in Louisiana at a different time, you know, after high school, college, that kind of thing, I would, I would, a part of me would die every time he would walk out of the door and go be with other men that, that were his friends. And so, and I think a lot of that was because he, he wouldn't come back better he would come back maybe even part shell of himself. Um, but he had a great time with them and he laughed at jokes that, you know, may, you know, it's just, it's just a totally different experience. So my hope is, you know, I, I don't know who listens to the show. I think I know who listens to the show, but my hope is that on some level, you know, whoever resonates with 
whether it's my previous story, your story and the clients that you work with, uh, or, you know, Jordan and I, like whatever, whatever it is that there's some level of graceful invitation. So -hmm. there's some celebration if you are already doing it and experiencing it. So maybe you hear this message and you acknowledge yourself and you acknowledge your partner's celebration, or you have an awareness now that something could shift or be different that could support your relationship more or your future relationship, depending on who's listening here. Uh, and I say graceful invitation because I'm thinking about myself as the partner. A lot of times when I want something different, it's like, Hey, you know, I, I think back on how a lot of men were told to strive as far as their career and their money-making. And it's, you just push right? You were saying like you got really good at doing things that you didn't particularly care for, but you got good at it because it was what society and the people around you were like championing for you. You just keep going, doing the thing that you don't like, and then you become an expert at it. And now look at you go, but you, you like a little part of your soul is like, why did you do that? Why did you spend so much of this precious life honing in on the skill that you don't actually like? And so it's just like kind of grindy mentality, but then you flip it into, you know, go into sex and they're having challenges connecting or growing sexually or ha- keeping the erection or ejaculating when they desire to ejaculate. And you can't necessarily look at that and go just grind through it. It's a totally different place, space that that for a lot of men, they've never been gifted. They've never been, they've never experienced it, never seen it, never felt it. They, it might not even feel safe because it feels so foreign because so much of their life hasn't been. And that almost makes me emotional just saying it like they're, that they haven't been supported in that way. And so there's just, there's a lot more than a flaccid dick in this conversation. So much more. And And we get to move through it together and heal it together. And so while you might be celebrating, wow, he kept an erection and ejaculated when he wants to for a whole session today, that's not the thing that you're actually celebrating. The hard dick's not what you're celebrating. The hard cock's not what you're celebrating. The ejaculating, you know, 15 to 20 minutes in instead of three minutes in, that's not actually the thing that we're celebrating here. And we're, and we're looking at here. It's how did this person create safety in their body and feel into themselves and, and honor themselves in a way that led to their bodies functioning in a way that they really truly desired with another person. And that's really, really special. And it's really big. So super kudos and, and commends to you for doing the work that you do. Cause it is different than the work that I do. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that, you know, people like you and like me are here we're doing such cool and complimentary work. And the more time that we can spend honoring ourselves, the more that we can be in the active healing of that comes from honoring each other. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think I'm like, okay, that was a big, I went on a little, my team says it's preacher Alexa that oh, I just like kind of black out and there I go. And she's like, hey. Anyway, but I like just end the show there and then pass out for a couple hours. No, um, I really want to, to take, you know, our last few moments of how people who are listening, whether they are partnered, because probably the vast majority that are listening are going to be partnered with someone who may need your services, which I would love if in the explanation of answering this question, you can also share the fact that you are a woman who is teaching men and how that benefits the delivery of the information and how, you know, like some people might go, well, how is she going to tell, how is she going to instruct men, but she doesn't have a penis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that piece, feel free to answer in this, how people who are listening can invite their partners maybe to check you out, or if they are actually listening to the show too, can feel comfortable um, reaching out to you and, and what's your main point of access. So I am a sex coach for men. And my job here is to help men to have the best sex of their lives. And as a consequence of that, also being the best partner, the best lover, the best husband, but also the best brother and son and community member and colleague that they're capable of being. I mean, listeners will know that when your sex life is 
whether you have a partner or not, when your sex life is situated in a place that feels energizing and when you feel satisfied physically, emotionally, relationally around sex, you perform better in everything. You just do better. Like life, you just are walking a little bit lighter on the earth, right? And it becomes a lot easier to focus on and face those challenges. And so often we're focusing and facing the, the thing that is quote unquote wrong, challenging needs to be repatterned. But actually my invitation is that we can expand on the things that are working, expand on pleasure and joy and satisfaction, which by the way, is a very challenging conversation for most men, right? And in doing so, we can actually make it easier to look at those things that are hard. We actually minimize them a little bit and put them in context of like what a gift it is to be alive. What I do uh, primarily is I run a YouTube channel. So if you are listening to this and you're a woman or you've shared this with your partner or you want to invite him into this conversation, have him look me up on YouTube. You can find me under Caitlin V or if you search for better sex coach, you'll find me there too. Also, if you search like for squirting, you'll find me there too. Um, so look for me on YouTube, consume some of that free content. I've literally have hundreds of videos. And then what I've started doing is I run a membership program for men where we do four coaching calls a month to our teaching and to our hot seats and Q and a, and then we have a 24 seven community for men as well. And this is, as far as I know, this is the only space like it online where men actually get together and they are celebrated for being erotic human beings. They're celebrated for being sexual men. And they have a group of brothers that are able to support them in relating to their partners, their eroticism, their sexuality. It's awesome as a, as a female, it's such a huge privilege to see, to like be the, the female leader of men, but I just get to come in and, and be the coach and share my expertise and share my perspective. And then I get to take a step back and I get to watch how men support each other inside of this environment, which many of them tell me all the time is completely unique to anything that they've ever experienced, especially in face-to-face relationships with men. You know, this is a safe space that takes place because we have the power of the internet, because we have Zoom, we actually can create these environments that we would never have otherwise gotten to create. And inside of that environment, I have seen men transform. I mean, fully, completely overcome. Yes. All the sexual dysfunction that we've talked about, premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation, et cetera. But I've seen men go from, um, you know, teetering on the edge of a breakup to married inside of a really happy partnership. I've seen men uh, uh, deal with the death of a parent with grace and by sharing vulnerably what it was like to have that particular parent on planet earth. I mean, it's just like, it's so much more than sex and sexuality. Sex is the start as we all know, sex is the thing that, that we, as soon as we've kind of dealt with and had some transformation and change around everything else that comes as a a consequence of that starts to open up and change and flourish and bloom and blossom. So you can go to caitlinvenealcom slash invite if you want to send him directly to, I have a little explainer video there. It's about 15 minutes long and it'll share sort of my vision. Um, and if you, if you want him to just get some great sex tips and advice, send him over to YouTube and you can find me at Caitlin B. Oh, good. And I'm sure that that's a great introduction for the women who might be leading them in that direction too, so that they can get to experience you and feel safe and comfortable with you. Cause I'm sure for some women yeah. that might be like, I'm going to introduce my husband or my partner to this person that I don't know on the internet and what's, what's going to be happening here. And so it's a really, I would say, um, I'm just imagining that it's a great opportunity for them to get to experiencing you in that way too. Yes. Please go check it out. And also understand that it is, uh, directed and made for men. So if there's parts of you, because I wouldn't, for me personally, I'm such a feminine person. I wouldn't, I'm like, this doesn't appeal to me, (laughs) but it's not for me. Right. You know? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Thank you so much for doing the work that you do and for coming onto the show and sharing your gift, um, your many gifts. This is super important work. And we've said it so many times throughout this show that what you do, what I do, I certainly resonate with a lot of, of your story and how you share. I just work with a different type of client 
I would say. And so it is very complimentary in so many ways, very complimentary. And the work that we do really matters so much. And it's way more than just sex. It's way more than just some sex positions and a better blow job and eating her out with new techniques. This is life transformation. So complete and total personal development, life transformation from your sex life out. And it's big work. And thank goodness it's starting to be more acceptable, more sought after. And thank goodness, I would say, let's just, I'm just going to go ahead and pat myself on the back and and you on the back, virtual pat on the back for making it cool and relatable Mm. and accessible, you know? So I love that you, you mentioned Dr. Ruth earlier and I just don't know when, you know, all the people that I'm working with, I don't know how much into Dr. Ruth they would be in today. So, and then, you know, I see there's certain brands and experiences that are available online and my type of person is just not going to be attracted to that. And so, you know, born mid to late eighties and beyond, um, I'm, I'm really, really digging the people who are showing up in a really big, powerful, cool, vulnerable way that also feels Mm -hmm. like really, I'm going to use all the spiritual buzzwords, all the personal development buzzwords, authentic and aligned for them. And, uh, and just making this something unique and new and fun. So thanks again. I so appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Thank you. Same. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.